0: my spiritual father, Larry Titus, and he has a meeting once a year uh, for 24 pastors that are, calls it the 24 elder meeting um, from all over the world, really, and it's uh, leaders that he believes are global leaders, and he wants to pour into apostolically, and Debbie had the ladies, so our wives came, and some of our pastoral staff came, Um, I was probably the only pastor there that brought some of their staff, but I like to share everything, so... How many know How many know me that well? If I'm eating something good, I will force you to have a bite. I'll be like, you have to try this. It's so good. And they're like, I'm full. Just eat it now. It's all you can eat. So we force you to eat it all. But we're just so blessed uh, that we got to do that. And uh, how many of you um, are excited that we're home? Is anybody glad that we're home? Okay. I know Wednesday was awesome. Uh, Mike Cartwright did... Uh, did the adults and and, um, taught the adults in the back. And then Chris did youth in here and I got to hear that message, but uh, it was awesome. Young people, did you enjoy that here Wednesday? And Doug did worship too, huh? Did you do worship? It was awesome. (laughs) Amen. Well, I got like four different Bibles up here. Uh, We're going to read the whole Bible this morning. Um, So I hope you're ready for that. So let's pray. And, just thank God for His presence, and then we're going to read together. Amen. Let's pray, Father. We just we love Your presence, and we thank You that what You're going to do this morning is You're going to uh, You're going to do something in every heart, and You're going to bring identity, and You're going to bring change. And Father, I thank You for every precious soul, every heart, every man, woman in this place. And Holy Spirit, we are so open to whatever you have right now, and we're so welcoming everything that you're. We thank you that you're here, but in our hearts we open up and we yield right now. We just we yield to you, Lord. Can we do that together and just say, "I yield to you, Holy Spirit," and just let Him breathe into you as you say that and prepare your your heart, the ground of your heart, for His word. Break up any fallow ground, Lord, and just just breathe, breathe upon the garden of our hearts, God. You give us life. And you cause us to be fruitful for your glory, for your honor. And we thank you for healing in marriages. We thank you for restoration. And and even those that feel alone, God, you're going to breathe life on the garden of their heart. And you're going to let them know that you're with them. And, Lord, I thank you for wholeness in relationships, in the family, and in this house. And so we love you, and we love your presence so much, God. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. How many enjoyed that time of worship? Isn't that awesome? Come on, man. We have one of the best worship teams in the world. How many believe that? Come on. <clears throat> so blessed. What a blessing. Uh, so this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, significance a little bit more. And I want to talk to you about identify, uh, identification um, with, uh, with our gifts versus identification with just in identifying in grace. And and we're going to talk about that this morning. I believe that the Lord is going to give you some manna. How many like the taste of manna? Have you ever tasted manna? I'm talking about in the spirit, not really, but just it's sweet and it brings life to you. And it's the sustenance that God wants to give you. Amen. And I believe that the Lord is going to do some things in your heart today that you won't be concerned so much with all the other gazes, but you'll be you'll you'll have an understanding and awareness of his gaze and his eyes on you. And that's the identification of grace in your life. There's something that's so profound when we learn to just be satisfied, completely satisfied with his presence. It's what we were made for. It's what the enemy tried to rob from the beginning. We were made to just, just to be in his presence. And this morning, I want to read to you the story of Hannah. Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. And it's such a beautiful story. It's actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I, I, I've preached out of it um, a few times. This is a little bit different this morning, what I'm going to share with you. But what I love about this story is that it's it's just such a story of a, uh, a a woman who who was broken. You know, it's a big deal in the Hebrew culture if you're a woman and you are barren. And, and how many know that Hannah was so blessed? How many believe that she was blessed? But there was just still a barrenness. And a long time ago, the, the Lord gave me a word for the body of Christ. And he says that she is, the bride is blessed, but she's barren. And, and I believe that the Lord has really blessed us. But we can't identify with blessing. We have to identify with his grace. We have to identify with him. And, and out of that comes real fruitfulness. And if we identify with that, how many remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14 about the gifts of the spirit and the unity of the body and and how important it is that we understand that we are called uh, into this place of significance as we're part of the body. It doesn't matter if we are a a pinky toenail, a nose, a nostril, an earlobe, whatever part of the body we are, we are significant because we're part of his resurrected body and understanding how important and pastor Shane last week talked about our significance and it's so important that we understand our value before the lord and this story exemplifies it you see a story of uh you know a man who has two wives and i believe that they represent two identities one of them is is her name actually means treasure. And I think it identifies with the gifts and the treasures and the talents. And, and and that is her identity. And then we have this other one named Hannah who is barren, but her name means grace. And it's two different identities that we see here. And one is broken because she's barren. And the other is actually taunting her and saying, well, you know, look at all these children I have. and And literally provoking hurt and envy on the inside of her heart. And that's what happens with our lives if we continue to identify with gifts and talents and abilities instead of understanding how significant we are before God alone. There's something about knowing that His gaze is upon us. And the moment that we begin to be concerned about other gazes, vanity has planted a seed in our heart. And there's something so amazing about this story where Hannah had a revelation of his gaze. I, I, I believe it with all my heart that, that, you know, even the love of her husband, just her husband just loved her. And I I would like to read the whole thing, but I think I'm just going to share a little bit and then we'll read a few verses. So let's read out of first Samuel chapter one. And I would like to read starting at verse three. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also went two sons of Eli. Hiphoni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And I don't know if I pronounced that right, but if I sound like I did, you don't even know. So I'll just keep going. Verse 4. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to receive an offering, he would give portions to Pen- Penaniah, his wife, to tell all her sons and daughters. Now, that is the wife. Her name literally means treasure. That's one identification. But to Hannah, which means favor, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Now, in the Old Testament, if you were barren, it was like a curse. I mean, it, it was such a big deal. Now, I'm not speaking of this in the natural. There are many Uh, women who have many children, and there are some women that want to have children. And how many know the Lord knows the desires of our heart? But you know what's so important is what we get from this is is the fact that God wants us to be fruitful. And Hannah's identification in this moment was the fact that she did not have kids. And our identity was in what she didn't have instead of understanding that she already had God's gaze. Let's continue reading here. Verse 6. And her rival also provoked her severely, made her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. You know, it's amazing to me that I believe that it's the voice of the enemy in our identification with our gifts that will provoke us to envy and hurt, thinking that we don't have enough. Every time we go to the house of the Lord, someone else is more anointed than us because we don't understand our significance. And we're identifying this when we come together as the people of God. And you look, a couple of weeks ago I was trying to share with you that the heart of the gathering is understanding our significance that we're not to be called to be solo artists, but we are called to a symphony. Because many times if we're not identifying with our identity in grace that we have his gaze, but we're identifying in our gifting. We think that we have to toot our own horn in order to feel significant. And the danger in that is that we will begin to prostitute our gifts throughout our life because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And so the Lord's looking for you to be satisfied with his presence and his gaze before anything else. So he can trust you with more. And so he can trust you with fruitfulness. And I'm telling you, the Lord is looking for an army of people that will say, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I believe that it is the cry of every hurting young person that that begins to just you know, get involved with vanity in the world. And because they're, they're concerned about other people's gaze, even the thought of saying, well, you got to see yourself as God sees you. That's good. And that's so important. And that's what I'm talking about. But the fact that we're so concerned about our image means that maybe we don't get the whole thing. How many know it doesn't matter if daddy's looking at me, what else matters? If I'm in his presence, what else matters? I don't care if I'm a doorkeeper. David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And Hannah here is provoked by envy. She's provoked by this other woman who represents gifts. And the voice of the enemy is using her to say, you don't have enough. And look at God has cursed you. And she wept bitterly, and she was hurting, and she 's broken and i 'm telling you there's a cry there 's a cry there 's something about an orphan song. the orphan song is always crying out to please daddy, the daddy that you don 't know, the daddy that you wish you had the the orphan song is always trying to please with gifts. Look what I can do. I remember Chris was sharing about worship, and he's saying listen we don't we don't believe in orphan worship. an orphan would sometimes they would come and in uh, in the old days they would come, and even now, but they would come into an orphanage and there would be parents that would pick out an orphan to adopt and there would be orphans that would, that would just put on a little show and put on a little dance and make sure they look good and they smile big because they were trying to impress. They were trying to impress. They were trying to identify with what they felt like they didn't have. Verse 8, it says then, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why don't you eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will come upon his head. And it happened that she continued to pray before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Eli said to her, verse fourteen, if we could read together, How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. Hannah said, No, Lord, I'm not a woman of I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider your do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli said, go in peace. The Lord God of Israel, grant your petition, which you've asked him. And he said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went over her way and ate and her face was no more sad. It's interesting that Eli, I think if many of you know the biblical account here, that God was about ready to reinstitute a faithful priest, raise up a faithful priest. Eli allowed wickedness in the house of the Lord. And it really had to do with how much uh, worship was defiled in the temple with his sons. And there's this beautiful picture of intimacy and worship, but even in the blessing of a, a priest that wasn't right with God per se, something happened in Hannah. And I believe that she found her identity in what she was named from the very beginning, Hannah, to find favor in God's sight. You know, there was a part... I was reading this, and I thought about my own life when I first got saved. It says that her voice uh, was not heard. Her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. She didn't have a voice because there was there was this grieving wound on the inside of her. How many know that uh, that there's times in prayer you don't know what to pray? I remember as a young believer, I got saved and I went to a church. They had wonderful worship but I didn't know my identity and I was so concerned what people thought. And so I didn't sing out loud. I would literally just pretend that I was singing and it was loud enough that I don't think anyone next to me even knew. So I I would actually move my lips, but I had no voice because I didn't know how much God loved me and it didn't matter what people thought. He just wanted me to worship him. He just wanted me to come to him. So I would literally just lift my hands and sing and I'd be like, and everyone else would be singing and nobody knew. And I just sang, and then there was a day that i I prayed this dangerous prayer. I was seventeen years old, I said, "Lord, I want the Holy Ghost to touch me." I had no idea what I was praying, but God knew what I was praying, but I really just wanted a touch from God so i 'm sitting on the front row, and, and I remember maybe for about a month attending this church, I was born again, and I started going to this church and And I would just, it was time to worship. And I knew that wasn't, you know, no big deal for me because I just would lip sync the worship. And I think an orphan heart is just lip syncing worship. I I think that it's just such a huge picture of of what it's like to be identifying with all of our gifts and our abilities instead of understanding that we're just satisfied under his gaze. And I said, Lord, touch me. A few weeks went by. I am literally on the way to church and I can already sense this presence of God. I didn't even know what the presence of God was at this time. And I remember sitting on the front row. My dad was sitting next to me, and I just began to weep, uncontrollably weeping. It was not, I wasn't sorry. I wasn't sad. I was just, it was like the love of the Father. God began to introduce his love to me for the first time, and it was like like God just pouring peroxide on the orphan wounds of my heart disinfecting those things that can just fester into a mess if we don't deal with them. And he was pouring out and I'm just weeping. I remember my dad, it's okay, buddy. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I could tell him. I said, it's just the Holy Spirit. And I'm just crying and I'm just weeping. And, I, and I, I'm a teenager. I got long hair. I'm like a skater slash gangster. And I'm sitting on the front row of this church with a bunch of broken people and the spirit of God for the first time. It was like daddy whispered, I love you, son. And it was the beginning of understanding that I had a voice. How many have seen the movie, uh, the King's speech, the whole movie is about the stuttering son of a King. How many know you're a son of a King? If anyone else calls you any different, just remind yourself, I'm a son of the King. Amen. (laughs) Someone call me a son of something else this week. Well, you're a son of the King. Amen. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't on the road when you cut him off. There's something about this movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's amazing. It's about this son of a king that he stutters in speech and he has no voice. And he's so intimidated because there was abuse and there was things that happened. He had father wounds. I mean, the whole, it's so amazing how he is identifying that he's not like his brother and he doesn't have the gifts that his brother has. And there comes a time that he has to rise up to kingship and he, the realization of his identity that he's royalty is what gives him boldness to speak out and he realizes that he has a voice. After this encounter I had with the Lord on the front row of Grapevine Fellowship on Nellis and Sahara back in 1988, after that moment... I began to sing. Little did I know that I would lead worship someday. Little did I know that God would use me to preach in front of hundreds of people. Little did I know that God wanted to give me a voice. If I had been concerned with what I didn't have, I don't think I could have been trusted with what God wanted to give me because I'm identifying with gifts and talents and abilities and the enemy is provoking me. And I'm so concerned with all these other gazes. As soon as I get concerned with other gazes, vanity creeps in my heart. And then I'm chasing the gaze and I'm chasing attention and I'm chasing things to fill this void that only father, papa, God can fill in our heart. It is the root of of every issue that we have in the church, envy and jealousy and and all the stuff and and division. And and God is serious about it. He's so serious about it that that even in, you know, Lucifer had timbrels and pipes. He's so serious about it that when he established the covenant, those were the two instruments that weren't allowed in the temple worship. He says, nope, I don't want to hear that sound. But there's this harmony that's created in a body when we learn to identify with this woman, Hannah. And how many know that right after this, she sings a song and the song magnifies the Lord. If you look at chapter two, it says that they returned and they worship the Lord. There's something about understanding your worship and intimacy. It was then that she knew her husband and something was birthed in here. It is a type of the Messiah. You say, well, no, it's Samuel, and Samuel brought forth the Davidic reign. David was a type of Messiah. No, listen, Mary sang the same song. She was rehearsing the song of the barren woman named Hannah when she found out that the Messiah was living on the inside of her womb. In the midst of my reputation is completely ruined. My image is gone. I was a virgin, and now I'm pregnant. And Joseph probably is going to leave me. She magnified the Lord and understanding what? That she had favor in the sight of the Lord. So let's be like Mary and let's forget about the other gazes and understand that daddy is looking at me and nothing else matters. And out of that springs forth fruitfulness, out of that springs forth kingdom, out of that springs forth exactly what God wants to do in the earth. And if us as a people of God get this, we will release a song not of an orphan but someone who identifies with the voice of their father and it is a beautiful sound because there's little orphan clanging symbols that go around because how many know when you don't have love you're a clanging symbol you could do all kinds of good things and the church could look great it's a lot like in revelations i know your works you do a lot of good things but don't forsake your first love i'm tired of the orphan clanging symbols in our midst Identify with his gaze and don't be so concerned. There's a whole system of of what we call honor, but it's actually flattery, and we learn flattery from this lack. And it's a whole culture. I think even sometimes when when the preacher's preaching and, and, and people are applauding that sometimes it's just it's just flattery. It's not, oh yes, God, yeah, it's not harmony, it's just it's a different sound. I don't want anything to do with that. I want us as a people to learn that, God, I want to be satisfied with your gaze. And I'm telling you, when we sing that song, the world, without hesitation, will say, what is that love that they're singing of? Because I'm telling you something, his love will make you sing. His gaze will lift you up. The Bible says you're the jewels of his crown. He'll raise you up like a banner. He'll raise you up on the place of the flow of the anointing, the place of royalty. In the message translation in Zechariah, it says that you'll catch all the rays of the sun. S-O-N, amen. Catch all the rays of Jesus, all the glory that he wants to shine through us. But I'm going to identify in his heart for me, in his gaze. I want you to close your eyes and we're going to pray. My heart is crushed and broken for Hannah's and Mary's and hurting orphan wounds. We're called, to, we're called by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of adoption, not fear and bondage, but the Spirit of adoption to cry out, Abba, Father. And there's a song in that cry that all the orphans say, I want to sing that song with you. And there, there are people that are in this room that says, you know, I have been so concerned with other gazes that I forgot that the whole time my name was Hannah. My name, I, I my identity, my very identity is that I'm a daughter, I'm a son. And I want to minister to you. I want to pray that God would just pour his love into your heart, That that desire of an 18-year-old. I said, God, will you just touch me with your Holy Spirit. It's so simple. And the Lord wants to give you identity because your song that you sing is determined by how you identify with significance. And we have to stop valuing our gifts and we need to value his gaze. Let your value be in his gaze, not gifts. We celebrate gifts. But we ultimately treasure His gaze. Amen. So if you're in this place, every eye closed right now, I'm not going to call you up front. We're not going to do that, but we're going to pray for you. The Holy Spirit is just pouring out His love on you right now. Shh. So if that's you, I want you to just quickly just slip up your hand. We're going to pray over you. Just slip up your hand and say, oh, I need to see his gaze again. (laughs) I've been singing an orphan song and I just need to see his gaze again. Lift up your hand. I want you to look around you believers quickly and lay your hand on their shoulder. And lay your hand on their shoulder and just prophesy right now. Yeah, Keep your hand lifted until someone prays over you. Prayer counselors, find somebody with their hand raised. Keep your hand lifted, please, until you feel a shoulder. Then you can put it down. We're going to just prophesy right now every hurting heart, every broken heart. That's it. Pray. Saints, I want you to pray right now. Please lift your voice and pray. So, Lord, release it now as we pray. Come on, pray. Go after it, saints. Those of you that are just sitting there, I want you to just pray right now. Pray and agree. Let let your prayers be a symphony and a harmony of agreement for this. Can you see daddy looking at you right now? He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You have been the whole time. You don't need to look anywhere else for, for somebody else to approve you. He says, I'm approving of you right now. That's it. Let's pray for just a few minutes, saints. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. on. Wow. Yes, God. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We love you. Set us free in Set us free oh, there's just so many tears of freedom. Come on, let the Lord do what He wants to do in your heart right now. Just let Him, let Him do what He wants to do right now. There's fire in His eyes. See, that's why worship is so important because if the enemy can taint worship with vain worship, where we become like the world where we're entertaining and we're on a stage, then he's done his job. Then flattery and vanity and envy will just run rampant through the house of the Lord. But if we sing a song of a son and a daughter. <laughs> It's releasing the sound of heaven and the song of the bride. The desire of the nations. Listen, this is an important revelation of the tabernacle of David. It's identification and significance that no longer just the high priest could come into the holy place. But David put up this tabernacle that he raised up minstrels of worship and many would come, hundreds and hundreds, 24-7 would come before the Lord in worship. Paradigm shift. Stop thinking that you're not approved by God. He approves of you and He loves you. I want to just encourage you, if you're being prayed for, just stay right where you are and take your time. And I want to I want to dismiss. I want to dismiss. I know it's a little early. It's good, though. It's good to... Let's just take some time and pray. And so, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Continue to just pour out Your love. I really want to encourage those that are being prayed for. Just... Take some time. Take some time and let daddy pour his love on you.